Hey guys, it's great to be back. I'm going to be talking about something that the Lord and I have been kind of cooking in the oven for about two years, and it's called the Ancient Masculine Path. It's tied to the ministry that my friends and I run called Hochoka Men, and what it is, is it's essentially uh, scriptural teachings about how men are moved through this ancient path to get them become amazing men. Just a couple highlights, receiving love, being in community, trials by fire, and faith, uh, and having to deal with warfare along the entire process. I can't wait to share it with you. Hope you tune in. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. God is preaching a sermon to the world through people's lives. People's experience, history, and testimonies all point to some amazing attribute of God that you too can experience. I interview revolutionaries, fire starters, and troublemakers. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life. A voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will step into the abundant life. So let's get rolling. Today I'm going to be talking to you about the ancient path of masculinity. It's something that I've been working on with the Lord in prayer, with my Bible, really meditating on the ancient paths of masculinity. Lord, what do you teach in Scripture about how you mature a man and the journey and the path that you take them on to make them into an amazing man? Now, you may be exposed to some other ideas. I know that John Eldridge had some great stuff about how to mature as a man. And then you've got the hero's journey and you've got all these different sort of models. Well, what I'm going to be proposing to you is what I believe the scripture teaches is an ancient path of masculinity. And it's like a, it's basically like a trail. So on the trail, you have a starting point. You have the trailhead. And you're going to be going up mountains and seeing amazing views and going down in valleys and dark woods. And then you'll be going up mountains again and and on your journey as a foundation to where God is taking you. And so along this way, there are four points that I want to talk about on your journey. And this is actually going to be a two-part podcast, and I'll be talking about the, the second part of the podcast will be talking about way to stay the way that God has set it up to stay on the journey to, to prepare you for the next step. But today I'm just going to be hitting the big points of the masculine journey. And, and again, I mentioned that this is related to Hochoka Men, which is a, a ministry that, that some friends of mine and I are trying to integrate and work across generations with men so that we can uh, be encouraged by the younger and offer our experience to the younger as well. And and it's uh, a wonderful group of men and um, and we've done some retreats and or some getaways and, and this is going to be some of the foundational like teachings of Hochoka Men. And so Hochoka Men started with um, this verse. And by the way, Hochoka is a uh, Native American uh, term that refers to a men's cross-generational talking circle where decisions are made and life can be exchanged and shared and the younger can learn. So it's, it's, um, it's, that's what it is. It's called Hochoka. It's a Lakota Sioux term. So Jeremiah 6, 16 and 17 is the foundational scripture God used 
well over two years ago to really kick this off. And this is what this scripture is. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. I have appointed, God speaking, I have appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. So let me explain a couple things here. First off, you have the role of an asker in this verse. Someone that's at a crossroads in their life. Someone that, that could go left or go right. And they're looking. And they're looking and, and looking, who can I ask about the ancient paths? Because God has a way of doing things that's been done through centuries. And this is the ancient path. And this is kind of what started me on this journey of, Lord, what are the ancient paths of masculine maturity, mas- or masculine journey? And, and this person asks, where is the good way? And walks in it. And they find rest for their souls. If there's anything that I see in young men's lives, it's not rest and settledness. It's anxiety. It's fear. It's an unsettledness, a, dis, a, a very disruptive soul. But this is offering you, you will find rest for your souls if you can start to discover the ancient paths that men before you have walked and learned that God has brought them through. And, uh, and I hope that you will not say, we will not walk in it. Uh, then it says, I have appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. You know, one of the things, if you're studying scripture, you'll find is that people appointed watchmen to watch over the wall to make sure to look for where the enemy's activity was. And if he ever saw a threat to the community, uh, to the city, he would blow a trumpet to call people to arms to respond. And these were not naive young men. These are seasoned men that knew what to look for and where the enemy was far off. And they could see what he was up to and would blow the trumpet to prepare the people. You know, so that's kind of that role of the older man. Like I've lived through a lot. I've seen a lot. I've seen the devil do a lot. I've seen God do a lot. Uh, And so the trumpet is like their voice. And so those are the two kind of players here. You have the askers, which I believe to be the younger men, and you have the watchmen, which I believe to be the older men. But it's not a two. It's 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 not a one-way street. It's a two-way street, you know. And so they they but we both need each other. We both need to walk together in brotherhood. And uh, I'm so excited to kind of reveal to you what I've been you know, kind of working on with the Lord as it relates to the ancient path of masculinity. So let's start at the trailhead, and that is receive love. Receive love. The foundational scripture for this is Matthew 3.17. And the father, before Jesus did anything, said this to his son. And a voice came from heaven and it said, This is my son and whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It is so important to understand that God initiated this love communication to his son because he needed it. And it was before he did anything. That is so important. When you have a foundation of being love or receiving love, you have to understand that you were a boy and a son first. And if those, that love was not established in your life from God and your parents uh, and, or wherever you grew up, that, that is foundational to what God wants to do in your life. He wants to establish 
that he loves you, that he loves you, that he loves you, and you don't have to do anything to earn that love. You don't have to go and be super religious or win a bunch of people to Jesus for him to love you. He just loves you. And there's some really powerful insights uh, in Ephesians about this. And let me read. It's Ephesians 3, 17 through uh, 19. And Paul writes, um, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the spirit in your inner being so that Jesus may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So the couple things I want to tease out here for you in, in understanding receiving love is one, God wants you to be uh, rooted and established in love. That's where the, that's the trailhead. That's where you start on the ancient path, being loved, being rooted and established in God's love for you. And then it says that you may have power together with all the saints. You know, one of the ways that God has given us an ability to experience his love through other people. And when we start walking in relationship with other men and, and in community, we will start to experience the love of God through them as well as directly from God. It makes it tangible. It makes it visceral. It makes it something you can touch and reminds us and it highlights to us God truly does love us. And what's the result of this, of all this love being established in your life? Um, that at the very end it says that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Being filled with God is love, it says. And when you are filled to the all the fullness of the measure of God, what are you filled with? Love. I am loved. God loves me. It has nothing to do with what I do, who, where I came from, my credentials, whatever. God just loves me. You know, a great example of this is David's life. You know, when he was young, his father and his brothers didn't even consider him worthy to be brought before Samuel when he said, the Lord has sent me here to see one of your sons will become king. They didn't even call him in from the field. And then when he went through all of his strong, good-looking, bigger, older brothers, um, and, uh, and his father was stumped like, I don't know who else to call. Samuel says, don't you have another son at all? And he was like, oh yeah, David. And then when Samuel saw him, the Lord said, here is a man after my own heart anoint him to be king. So God reached out to David in love, um, unbeknownst to him. and He didn't do anything for this. He just loved God and God responded. And even though his brothers and fathers rejected him, God picked him and he started by receiving love. You know, for me, in my own journey with God, um, I kind of uh, grew up in an environment that was very quid pro quo. So it's sort of like, you do this for me, I'll do this for you. I do this for you. You do this for me. And so I was when I got saved, I I incorporated that in my faith, and I got very busy. But a lot of it was because I thought, well, God. I mean, God gave me salvation and forgiveness and mercy. I need to do all these things to be Him to be okay with me. And and it and it was an unhealthy performance kind of faith. And it wasn't until at my darkest, darkest moment, I, you know, been demoted at my job. I, I was separated from my wife. I was estranged from my my children. I was estranged from my church community, and I had nothing to give God left. 
and he poured out his love on me and it finally made sense to me that he loved me and I didn't have to do anything to earn that love. For the very first time, I could do nothing and that's when I first fully received the love of God. And so, you know, he, you know, if you're an unloved son out there, you know, he wants you to be settled in your soul. God loves you. He picked you. He chose you. He is a good dad and he is not uh, some kind of quid pro quo. You do this and I'll do this kind of God. He just loves you. And the fact that he reached out to Jesus and said he loved him before he did anything should prove that even Jesus needed that affirmation. So that's my, that's where we start on the journey, the ancient path of masculinity. Next stop is uh, being in community. Uh, this following God, the ancient masculine path, is a team sport. It is a team sport. It is not an individual path. Uh, according to a 2019 survey by YouGov in the United Kingdom, almost one in five men, that's 18%, admitted to having no close friends. And one in three, 33% of men said they didn't count on anyone as a best friend. And we don't need a survey to let us know that men are lonely and that men are isolated. And even post-COVID, that was before COVID, it's probably even worse. So the idea that I have no, I have no close friends and I can't rely on anybody as my best friend is a massive, massive problem in masculinity. The ancient path of masculinity is God wants you to be in brotherhood. God wants you to be in community. So let's talk about a couple things here. So in Hebrews 10, 25, uh, God knew that, that men would pull away. And this is what he said in Hebrews 10, 25 about that. He said, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, there's a thousand reasons not to get together. There's a thousand reasons to give up meeting together. Oh, they're all fake. Oh, they don't care about me. Oh, they're all hypocrites. You know, Satan will fill your head with so much distrust and animosity towards your brothers in, in the faith. Um, and, and you will pull away as some are in the habit of doing. It's very common to, to desire to pull away. I'm telling you, if you're wanting to walk the ancient path of masculinity, don't pull away as some are in the habit of doing, but persevere and so that you will be encouraged and you can encourage others. Think about Jesus. Um, you know, Jesus had 12 brothers that he called brothers. And within, uh, and within those 12, he had three close, close friends that he pulled even closer than the 12. I'm telling you, Jesus wants you to walk in friendship and mentoring relationships. You know, think about Paul. Paul was an extremely individualistic, traveled, educated, um, you know, he was just a rock star of his time. Uh, and, and a lot of times men like that, they kind of run in silos, like they're just going to run individualistically. They're not going to really have really close friends. They're going to have acquaintances and, you know, if you can do something for me and all that crap. 
Paul would have been one of these guys, but he traveled in teams. You know, he he made faith a community sport. You know, if you read his letters, he was so integrated with community, and he wasn't this individualistic guy uh, that he could have been. Um, you know, there's a great verse in Ecclesiastes uh, about this, and it's Ecclesiastes 4, uh, 9. And let me see if I can get there quickly. Ecclesiastes 4.9 It says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and no one is there to help him up. You know, God is wanting you to have two or three. It's better than one. I don't care where else you hear that it's better to run alone. The Bible says it is better to run a community. Uh, you know, another powerful truth is, you know, we're talking about Paul. You know, Paul, the very last thing that Paul could say, the very last letter in the Bible that Paul wrote was 2 Timothy. And when you read it, it's so tender and so sweet because, you know, he could have written to a church. He could have written to a community. He could have written to the disciples. But who did he choose to write to before he's, his last breath was taken? It was to uh, a young man that he walked in relationship with. He wrote to his friend. Uh, he wrote to a person. In 2 Timothy 1-2, he says, To Timothy, my dear son. And then it goes down to verse 3. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long so he had that intimate relationship. He'd even cried together. I long to see you, so that you may be filled with so that I may be I long to see you that I may be filled with joy, Paul said. Again, so important, guys. You know, when you think about cross generational relationships, the older and the younger, this is not just the older preaching to the younger. The older need the younger. And the younger need the older. God makes it a reciprocal, uh, mutual, beneficial relationship. Uh, verse 5, I've rem I have been reminded of your sincere faith with first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. You know, it's just so beautiful that Paul's last letter was written to a young man and not to some generic community. Um, you know, Joshua and Caleb... I'll say this is another sort of uh, multi-generational example of friendship and mentorship. You know, when they came back and everybody was afraid about going into the land and really fulfilling the promises of God, Caleb spoke up first and said, by faith, I think we can do it. And then Joshua quickly joined him and said, I believe just like Caleb, I believe we can do it. And they stood together in faith against unbelief that was pervasive in the whole community. And their faith and their resolve grew stronger as they stood together. And that's going to be your experience when you walk in community. Uh, I'll um, hit a couple more points. Uh, David, you know, we talked about, you know, God starting him kind of receiving love. You know, when he went through some of his darkest times with Saul and Saul's, when he served Saul, he became very deep and close friends with Jonathan. Jonathan loved him and they were devoted to each other and not in some sort of weird way, right? I mean, I think that young men are so confused these days. They don't understand that that, that pure brotherly love with some sort of weird sexual thing. And, and I just want to say 
that that relationship there is a there is a, a brother that sticks there is a um, a friend that sticks closer than a brother, you know, uh, a physical brother, and that's in scripture. And so there is a, there is a bond that men can have. Think about men in war and other places, and it's not this weird kind of thing that's that's sexual in nature. It's it's true. Uh, godly devotion to each other and commitment like you you can trust me you can rely on me I've got your best interest in mind I'm always going to tell you the truth and that's the relationship that Jonathan and David had and uh, you know and during this time you know Jonathan's da- uh, dad wanted to kill David and was jealous of David but Jonathan I'm sorry uh, yeah and uh, but Jonathan always kind of made a way for David to escape and help him and encourage him during this huge trial in his life and then the uh, that's kind of an example of a friendship and there was a mentoring relationship that David had as well that when the prophet David came to him and called him in a liar and a murderer and an adulterer because that's really what he had become in his choices to to sleep with another man's wife to kill that man and to hide it in darkness that older man came to him and said thou art the man and and he repented and he was a better man for it. As far as my own personal life and how I've experienced this, this is not theory to me. You know, I've um, talked about the Band of Brothers. If you haven't heard that uh, podcast, Band of Brothers Part 1 and Part 2, you will meet some men that I ran with for over three years, and we went very, very deep. And the key thing about community is not pursuing each other's sin, but asking God to reveal the glory of that man, the calling of that man, the unique fingerprint of God on that man, and then you champion that. And then sin get is only a hindrance to that greatness. And so you're always saying, hey, throw that sin aside. That's not who you really are. Let's pursue God. And that's so much better than an accountability group. And, and it was so refreshing. To, I had a podcast with a guy named Pablo Saran. He was the founder of an organization called Wild Sons, and that podcast is called Brothers Unite. And he had the same experience that I had. And I'm telling you, you will accelerate your faith and your and your growth in masculinity by being in community. And I really want to emphasize the being part. Be known. Be be open. Be honest. And uh, and you will truly experience that. So let's go to the next one. So that's a that's a mountaintop, I would say. But trials by fire. This is when you go into the valley. Trials by fire. Every man must go through trials by fire. Let's go to a foundational scripture for this, which is James 1, 2 through 4. James 1, 2 through 4. And in it, you'll see James 1, 2 through 4. It said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Don't you want to be a man that doesn't lack anything? then you're going to be a man that has gone through trials by fire. You know, one of the things that was so powerful that uh, a good friend of mine named Michael Thompson, who runs Zoe Ministries, uh, shared with me years ago, was that trials are training. You know, difficult circumstances are training. If you are really, truly loved by God, which you are, then trials are not some bad luck, God hates me, He's punishing me stuff. They are a training ground to give you perseverance 
so that you it so that that may uh, mature in you and you will lack nothing. I'm telling you, man, that if you will walk through trials with God, you will become an incredible man. Um, and this is an ancient path of masculinity. I'm, it, you will not avoid it. You will not skirt around it. Uh, trials by fire is a critical part of the journey. Now, to, to uh, kind of make this point even clearer, I'm going to go through a series of scriptures that just highlight this so clearly. Uh, let's just uh, start with Psalm 66:10. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. Psalm 66:12. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you brought us out into a place of abundance. You brought us out to a place of abundance. Uh, Proverbs 17, 3, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord test the heart. You know, I think this is this, this training ground of trials is where you become not the shadow of a man, not a fake of a man, not of, a, not of a, an appearance of a man, but a true, godly, solid, uh, integral, integrated man. 100%. No games, no charades, no faking it, none of that. You're the real deal because you've gone through the trials that God has put you through. Let's keep going. First uh, Peter 1, 6-7. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you have endured many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It has been tested by fire as test fire, uh, I'm sorry, it has been tested as fire test and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Uh, keep on going. Um, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, James 1.12. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let's just keep going. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. Again, guys, this is a part of the journey. If you, the ancient path of masculinity, this is a major milestone in that journey. So don't be surprised that something strange has happened to you, but rejoice in so as you share in Christ's sufferings so that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And I will do one more, 1 Peter 4, 14 and 16. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. You know, I, I mean, it's just even like, um, you know, Paul, when he was encouraging to me, he said, endure, he said, endure hardship like a good soldier, you know, like keep your eyes on God in the midst of trial. And so back to David again, you know, he has so many examples of this, but the, the primary one is when he was called to be a king, he was ran for his life for seven years of his life, even though he had a call from God to be king. 
Now I'm going to give you some uh, real life examples of this. So there was a, a pastor that I came to know uh, during one of my trials by fire in my life. And his name was Lon Solomon. He wrote a book called Brokenness. He was an up and coming ambitious pastor in the Washington D.C. area who had senators and congressmen in his church, and he was you know kind of prepping for the big you know, like explosion of a big church and all this other stuff. And then he ended up having a son with severe, severe disabilities that would have massive epileptic seizures that would be uh, on the brink of death on and off when doctors could not give any idea. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what his diagnosis was. And he was severely disabled. And after many, many years of this, God um, helped transform his ambition into becoming a true godly man. And this is what he writes about the whole experience. It may be hard and it may hurt, he said, but in the end, God will use your brokenness to restore your first love for Jesus, rekindle your spiritual fire, reconcile your relationships, and repair your life. You know, I thinking about this podcast, I wrote, you are capable of so much more in God but a leisurely, safe, and coddled life will not get you to your God-given potential. God wants to make you a victor, an overcomer, and a winner, and you must go through challenges to win. You have to go through the challenge. You have to go through the competition. You have to go through the trial to overcome. You don't just get it for free. And uh, uh, Stephen Mansfield an amazing podcast that he released called um, uh, The Happy Warrior, which I highly recommend. Um, he said, hardship and struggle is the doorway to an exceptional life. And if you've read my book, Fatherhood Face Plants, you know that there was so much struggle that was even caused by my own fault, uh, but that by God's grace, he made me an overcomer. And I was able to reconcile my, with my wife. I was able to be reconciled to my kids. My, my family was to be able to be restored by the power of God. And he stripped me of so much just dysfunction and baggage and sin and all this boyishness that, that, was, that needed to go in my masculine journey. And he did that through a great trial. And I write about that, and I write about the victory that God led me and all that He showed me and how He transformed me. So if that's something that's interesting, you can pick up Fatherhood Face Plants on Amazon. So let's go to our last stop. Last stop is faith. God wants you to start walking in faith. God wants you to start living in faith. God wants your faith to be an action word, not some ethereal idea that really doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, I have faith, so what? I'm just going to live how I'm going to live. No, faith is taking risk, God risk, that have amazing returns. So let's, I'm going to, I have the amplified version of uh, Hebrews 11 and um, 11, 1 and 2, and so let me read it. It says, now faith is the assurance, the title, deed, and confirmation of things hoped for or divinely guaranteed. And it's the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, I love that, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. You name any man in the Bible, they walk by faith. Noah in the boat, Abraham being called to a land he didn't even know where he was going. 
Joseph in the dream in the 30 years between when that he had the dream and actually it seeing it realized as he becomes the second in in uh, the second in command in an entire Egyptian nation Peter after his great failure being called by God to say to restore and say you know feed my sheep and 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 walk by faith and become the man that you're made to be even after this failure and that's what he ended up doing Paul being knocked off his horse of pride and being uh, humbled and then being called to walk by faith out and bring a preach to the Gentiles, which even the disciples thought he was nuts and that was a bad idea. You know, Timothy, that famous verse in Timothy, it says, we, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Paul was writing to Timothy, God's not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Timothy obviously struggled with anxiety, timidity, and fear. And Paul was like, be encouraged, young Timothy. You are full of power, love, and a sound mind. And Isaiah 26.3 reads, You will keep in perfect peace those whose mind are steadfast because they trust in you. If your mind is all over the place and you're full and riddled with anxiety, I can almost guarantee that you don't. it's a trust issue. There's a faith problem. You don't trust the Lord. And he will help you if you learn how to trust more, even in small ways. Uh, let me talk about David and with this one. When he was running from Saul for seven years with that promise of being a king, he did that all by faith. When he was had the opportunity to kill Saul and, and didn't do it, that was an act of faith because he didn't take his life, his future in his own hands. But he said God will deal with Saul when it's time for God to deal with Saul. Um, when when David would inquire to go into battles, you know those were life and death decisions that could cost women, children, his life, his men's lives, and so they were very serious matters, and they all required faith. If you look at the Psalms and how he expressed himself, he struggled to believe and he struggled to have faith. You can hear it in him talking about being jealous of other people and and seeing, wondering if it was all even worth it. And then he ends with, I believe in you, I trust in you, I give you my all. It's such Psalms are such a beautiful place of a man who is struggling to believe. And then later, when he really screwed up uh, with uh, Bathsheba and, and killing Uriah and all that, and when he was confronted and he really came clean with God, he wrote in Psalm 51.10, Created me a pure, a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit with me, which is, God, give me the grace not to quit. And when I feel like quitting, when I feel like giving up, when I feel like giving up on you and giving up on myself and giving up on everything, purify my heart and renew that spirit in me to be steadfast. Um, you know, I was reading in a devotional called Streams in the Desert recently, and uh, there was a, it's an old devotional I really highly recommend. It's like 1900s. And this is what it said in devotional. A man wrote, I suspect that the source of every bit of sorrow in my life can be traced back to simple unbelief. If I truly believe the past was forgiven, totally forgiven, the present is supplied with power and in the future is bright with hope. How can I be anything but completely happy? How can I be anything but completely happy? So how does faith grow? How do you grow faith in your life? You grow it through practice and you go through circumstances. When you go through circumstances, what's your mindset? What's your viewpoint? What's your outlook? Is it full of faith or is it full of despair? And you go through practice. Believe God in small things. Believe God in bigger things. Keep on believing. Keep on practice that faith and, um, and being able to 
Take every thought captive that's unbelief. Take every thought captive that's full of fear and anxiety and dread and submit it to God and and say, God, replace this with faith. And it will make a world of difference. So, So where does spiritual warfare fit in all this? Warfare is everywhere. That's where it fits. It is all along the masculine journey is warfare. All along the masculine journey is warfare. If you're gonna, the one of the ancient paths, the ancient masculine paths that you're gonna have to learn, no matter what, is how to fight. Period. You have to learn how to fight. You have to learn how to overcome. So let's talk about what's the fight here. So with receiving love, what is the fight? It's a fight against being rejected. It's a fight against rejection. Um, Satan would love to convince you how awful and terrible and evil and worthless you are and, and completely just live in that deep, dark hole of rejection. And God is all the while saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. You have to war against every inkling of rejection when God loves you. What about being in community? What's the warfare there? The warfare is against isolation. As some are in the habit of doing, it is very much Satan will always pull you away from community. Always, always, always. And 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 one of the things that I um, have experienced and 100% believe is that community starts on the backside of conflict. And until you have conflict with people and you weather it and you and you reconcile and you move forward, you you may not have true community. And most of the time, isolation and giving up when some in the habit of doing is that they get in community, they get offended, something happens, and they pull away and they're not willing to pursue community at that point. And they'll end up in isolation because somebody hurt me or whatever. I'm not saying that every community is a God community and every community is great. But God wants you to walk in community with those that he's called you to walk in and walk with. So what is the warfare when you go through trial? The warfare is misunderstanding. Misunderstanding what's going on. And I would also put misinterpreting what is going on. You know, I love Michael Thompson, his good friend uh, with Zoe Ministries, said, you know, what's the likelihood that you've interpreted your life 100% accurately? <laughs> you know, um, and another thing he says that's so powerful is says that why don't you view uh, circumstances and hardship as training, right? If God truly does love you, when you go through trials, he's not, he may be trying to destroy dark parts of you, but he's trying to redeem and resurrect the the gold that's in you, that the thing that he's put in you since you were born, the calling and the greatness of God that is in you. But it, sometimes you have to get stripped by training, very difficult training, by trials to be able to get down to that base to where all that's left is what God has put in you. And the idea, the opportunity for misunderstanding and misinterpretation, blaming God, God is evil, this person's evil, like just completely misunderstanding and misinterpreting the situation is, is rampant. You have to war against this. Scripture really helps to really bring clarity in when you're going through trials. And I went through all those scriptures. So trials is God's way. 
It is God's way, and, and you will find a loving God in the midst of it, holding you up, strengthening you. And again, I, I've said it, and I'll say it again. Everybody wants to be a winner, but nobody wants a battle. Everyone wants to be a victor, but nobody wants to uh, face an opponent. You know what? This is when you face the opponent. This is when you go into battle and you come out a victor. You come out an overcomer. Like Jesus said, you are more than a conqueror through Christ who gives you strength. Paul said it, but Jesus said it through Paul. Um, I'm telling you, this is such a critical point. So what about faith? Uh, what, what do you have to war against? You have to war against fear. All the what ifs. What if this? What if that? What if this? What if that? I'm telling you, faith is is not it's like you you have to experience it and then you know God is faithful this whole idea of oh it's going to be awful or here's my imagination imagines all these things i'm just going to let fear run rampant and, and that will be my deciding factor whether i take the risk or i walk by faith or i really do the deal um so let me just tell you a couple ways god will help you uh in psalm 144 1 he says uh, David wrote, he trains my hands for war. Psalm 1834 says, he trains my hands for battle. And then the famous one in Ephesians 6, 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against powers of this dark world who wants to say you're rejected, who wants to lead you into isolation, which uh, misinterpret everything in your life to some awful end and wants you to live in fear, Right? It's against the power of these dark worlds that once you do that, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, that is your struggle. Warfare will be all around the ancient masculine path, but the major things that you need to again hit is receiving love, being in community. You will go through trials by fire, and you will survive. I'm one to attest, and many older men can attest. God was faithful and got us through, even when we think we, it was impossible. And he wants you to really start living by faith. Now, there are four more elements of the masculine journey, but they're not, they're kind of interwoven in here. They get you, one of them gets you ready to live in community. The one of them gets you ready to war against misunderstanding. The one of them gets you ready to really walk by faith. And then one of them gets you ready to keep going. So if you're interested in those, you have to tune into the second part of this podcast. Um, the Ancient Masculine Path, Part 2, and I will reveal those to you as well. And uh, guys, I hope this helps you. I hope this encourages you. God is taking you to a glorious place. And when you go through this, this is just foundational. You, If you have these things solidified in your life, man, you can go anywhere. You can do anything in God. It's just going to be an amazing journey. But sometimes we have to start at this foundational level. Learn how to warfare learn how to live with others, learn to survive and overcome in trials, even look forward to trials because you're going to win. Be a happy warrior again. I recommend that podcast by Stephen Mansfield. And thank you so much, guys, for listening. And we'll see you in part two. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Hey, if you did like it, it would be really helpful if you want to send us a review over on iTunes. That would be really cool. And if you want to connect, go over to Instagram, search Troy Mangum or The Kindling Fire, and we can connect there, and that would be a great way to kind of stay in touch. I am doing a YouTube channel, so we do video formats of these podcasts, and we'd love to have you look there. Okay, guys, until next time, be awesome.